24, Joshua chapter 24. Put that up on the wall, guys, if you don't mind. Joshua chapter 24. Uh, I bought a place here a while back, and I was walking it out, and I like the, I like the woods, amen. Anybody beside me like the woods? Amen. Good place to get close to God, amen. And I'll tell you what, I like to be a place where I can't even hear the train if I can get there. That's pretty hard to do. But I was walking in the woods and I was trying to find the old fence and I got walking down and I found a piece of barbed wire in the ground. Now when you're out in the woods and in the leaves you find barbed wire, some old barbed wire, you might be on a line fence but you might not be either. And I didn't know whether I was on a line fence or not a line fence but it kept falling down through there and pretty soon to come to a, a, a place and I looked and guess what I saw? A witness tree. How many knows what a witness tree is? Oh, there's a few of you do. The rest of you don't know where you're at. But anyway... <laughs> A witness tree. Oh, I got to tell you this. You know, there's a, a this is back for where, Sister Connie. Where's the spittoons at? Do you know where the spittoons is at? Where? Oh, they've put flowers in the spittoons. No. Where is the spittoons at? Well, we need the spittoons. I saw a couple of guys with snuff and I want to make sure they got a place to spit. No, I was going to tell you a little story. We used to have spittoons because I used to say, I always had it set up here, that I'd rather have 10 men sitting here on the front row spitting juice at a spittoon and missing than to have three old wagon tongues in the church house. Amen. Amen. And, and having people to clean it up after church and to have a bunch of gossip in the church. Gossip would kill them, but chewing the back, it just stinks. Amen. Anyway. This young preacher come down from, I think it's Minneapolis, and he got called to a church somewhere down here in the Ozarks. This has been before I was probably ever born. And you're, in case some of you don't know, you are in the Ozarks. How many knows you're in the Ozarks? How many knows you're in hillbilly land? Uh, some of you don't know nothing yet. You just think you know, amen. You ain't been far enough back in the sticks yet. But anyway, this preacher, young preacher got called somewhere down in here south of me uh, to a little country church. And he got up there, he got in, man, and next day or two, a Sunday, and he's ready to preach. And he got up there, and he saw all these uh, old coffee cans sitting at the end of every row. And you know what he thought? Them's offering cans. Them's offering cans. He thought them's offering cans. And he thought, boy, why don't they take up an offering? They just must pass it down the row. Well, pretty soon, one old sister, and he said, but he said, I knew there's all relatives because they all had an egg market. Oh, yeah. He said, all of them. I said, I knew they was all related to each other. And he said, I started preaching that pretty soon. said, there's one of them old ladies said she reached over and picked up that thing. Went, and he said, a string of black juice come out of her mouth and hit that can and looked like a bell ringing. He said, ma'am, what are you doing? She said, I'm a pitting. He said, do that again. I ain't ever seen that before in my life. A bunch of them said, we can do it too. Amen. <laughs> Hey, but you say, what's that got to do with the message? I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> That's what you get for coming here to church. Oh, <laughs> sister, are you chewing snuff this morning? You're not chewing snuff. You quit, did you? You quit. Okay. <laughs> I'm aggravating your mother. Amen. Long time ago, you quit chewing snuff. <laughs> oh, my landlord. Anyway, I'm about the witness tree. You walk up here to the witness tree and it'll have a plaque that says witness tree. Now what that is, a surveyor put that in on that tree and on that, if you look close enough, most of the time and should be on there is a deal and I don't know the terminology for it, but it will tell you how far from that tree, you know what I'm talking about, you've been out cutting logs before, I can tell. It'll tell you where that stake pin is at that is the marker. Might be 15, 20 feet, 30 feet over there, but it'll have that degree and it'll run for that witness tree to that. By the way, it's against the law to mess with that witness tree. The Bible said, I want you to put up these verses, boys. Put me up three or four verses, if you will. Uh, put up Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse number 14. Deuteronomy 19, verse number 14. Now, in case you're visiting here today, we just have church. Amen. We ain't got no better sense than have a good time preaching the word of God. Thou shalt not remove thy neighbor's landmark, which they old time have set in thine inheritance. Now, that's a law of the statutes of Almighty God. And he said, now listen to me. He said, you're going to have landmarks and they're going to tell you where your boundaries is at and who owns what. And he said, whatever you do, don't you be messing with that. Four times in the Bible, it's going to tell you this. He said, uh, which thou shalt inherit the land, Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. Uh, go to Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse number 17. Deuteronomy 27 and verse number 17. 
Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. And all the people shall say what? Amen. Amen. Said, don't you move them landmarks. Said, that, that's a stealing from other people. Go to Proverbs chapter, uh, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 28. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 28. Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Again, I want to tell you, it's in Missouri statutes that if you mess with a witness tree or mess with a survey stake, you could, you could get in big, big trouble if your neighbor finds out you've messed with it. And he ought to. You ought not move nobody's landmarks. And they used to do that. See, in the Bible days, men would die. And so they'd figure, well, the widow, she don't know where the, where the boundaries are. Or the mom and dad would die. And they said, well, the kids don't know where the boundaries are. So they'd go out there at night and they'd take the stake or the landmark or the rock or the witness or do something and then move it over. And then they'd claim that this is where it's at. Well, they didn't know no different. And a lot of people in America now do not know where the landmarks of the Christian faith is. They don't know where the landmarks of freedom and liberty is at. And they've got people all over this country that's moving the landmarks. Well, go to Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 10, I believe it is. I believe it will be verse number 10. Uh, the Bible said there, remove not the old landmark. And watch this. Enter not into the fields of the fatherless. He said, don't you be messing with them witness trees. Don't you be messing with that survey stake uh, on this place I was telling you about over there. I was uh, trying to figure out where the line was because I wanted to build a fence. And I, I looked at this other line and it, it just kind of wiggled up through there, kind of like them old timers used to build fence from tree to tree. And I thought, boy, that ain't very good. But Bill, I got to, I was driving up there one day and I guess the leaves had fallen this fall. And I looked to my left and over about 20 feet, I saw a silver pin and there it was. There was the survey mark. And I said, well, bless God, I know exactly where my fence needs to go now. Now I'll tell you what I've got. I got a survey pen right here. I got a landmark tells me exactly where I'm at, where the boundaries is at. I'm going to tell you something. God said, don't mess with it. Amen. You know what a new, you know what these new Bibles are? They're people moving the landmark. Amen. Whoa, let's don't preach on that today. Amen. Anyway, well, uh, in Joshua chapter 24, we're going to go back there. Joshua chapter 24, if I can get there. Is that in the Old Testament or New Testament? But Old Testament, okay, thank you. Joshua chapter 24. I got an honorary streak on that right toe this morning. Joshua chapter 24. Now, in Joshua chapter 24, uh, he's about to finish things up. He's been leading them all the way through there. And when you get down to verse number 14, he said, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him uh, uh, acting like it. Some of you ain't reading your Bible. You wouldn't know whether I was telling you the truth or not. What's it say there? In sincerity. You don't be joking around about your faith. You serve him in sincerity and in truth. Now, Jesus said, thy word is truth. So if you're going to serve God, you need to be sincere about it. Don't be mucking around. And you need to be serving him according to the word of God. And he said, put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. Now, Karen and I got married. I had a, a lady that did some wood uh, painting and I had her to put down the last part of this verse and it's still that same still little wood deal is hanging over one of the main entrances to our house, the no, back door where we go in and out all the time. And verse 15 says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which, are, which your father served, which were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But, now, that's what Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, what Joshua did here, he set a landmark down. He said, I don't know what the rest of you guys are going to do. And by the way, let me just get off on a tangent here a little bit. You know what's really wrong with America? We don't have no Christian men anymore. You got a bunch of wimps who let their wives run the household. Now, if you don't like this or not, you say, well, I'll tell you what, I ain't coming back. Well, you, a lot of other folks beat you to it. <laughs> In Genesis chapter 3, after the fall... God told Eve, said, your husband's going to rule over you. That does not mean he's some kind of beat him up, some idiot. It just means somebody's going to be in authority at the house. Amen. Amen. 
I'm telling you right now, you need authority in life. That doesn't mean, listen, there's a highway patrolman out there and he stops me and I'm going to stop and he got that uniform on, he's got authority. That doesn't make him a better person than I am or more important to God than I am. It just means that he has a position of authority. A father is to have position of authority and the wife is to be submissive to the husband. The husband to love his wife as Christ loved the children. Let me tell you what's wrong. Got a bunch of men who've never lived this verse out right now. They never jumped up. He didn't go and say, now honey, you think we ought to serve God or not? I want to know what you want to do because if you don't want to, we ain't going to. Kids, what do you think? You want to go to church this morning or not? Kids, what do you think? Anybody got a snotty nose? Can I tell you something? If, you, if you're going to keep your family out of church with snotty noses, buy you about 14 tons of toilet paper because you're going to be wiping snotty noses the whole time you raise your kids. The devil's going to make sure your kids got snotty noses if he finds out snotty noses can keep you out of church. Amen. Well, amen. I'm trying to find something you don't like. Amen. You keep saying Amen. But I'm saying this to you this morning. I mean it with all my heart. Joshua didn't say, honey, what do you think? He didn't say, kids, what do you think? He said, I'm the daddy. I'm the husband. I'm the, whole, uh, the, the leader of this home. And our house is going to serve God. Don't know what the rest of you are going to do, but we're going to serve God. I'm telling you something. I'm sick to death of a bunch of men in America who are just a bunch of wimps. Their wives tell them when to get up and when to sit down, when to shut up, when to talk, what they can do. They're controlled by their wives' bodies and all that other junk. We got women in rebellion. We got men that aren't leading and we got a mess in this country you want to straighten things up you just get this settled down amen I'll tell you right now don't you tell me you love your wife if you won't lead your wife in prayer if you won't have Bible reading with your wife if you won't love your wife and protect her and provide for her and nurture her and love her don't pretend that you love your wife and ain't no wonder women in America have got an attitude against men because American men are not leading their homes and saying as for me in my house not maybe not mine but we will serve God and I'll tell you I've been a, I've been a, a pathetic failure but God been my witness that's been my goal for the last 40 years as for me and my house we will serve the Lord amen, amen. amen. Joshua didn't monkey around about it now he got on down there verse number 22 and Joshua said unto the people you are witnesses against yourselves what he said you have chosen you the Lord to serve him and they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, put away, he said, the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Now watch verse 26. I want you to notice this. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God I want to tell you a little something this morning. I keep a journal. I've been keeping a journal since 1988. There's been days when I'll keep a journal day after day and then I might miss three months and try to catch up. But you ought to write down your commitments to God. If you've made a commitment that that's for me and my house, we're going to serve God, you ought to write that down. January, what is this, 13th, 14th, somewhere in there, 2023, I was at Liberty Faith Church that Sunday morning, the preacher preached on thus and thus, and I'll tell you what I did, I told God, going to raise my family for God, I might be a failure, but it won't because I didn't try. Write it down, amen. And then talk to your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and tell them that this day that you made a decision to follow God and you made a commitment to God, something they can read that'll amount to something later on. There'll be a time when maybe they're interested. Well, he said there, he said, I wrote it down. And he said, he took a great stone and set it up there under an oak. That was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Hmm. And Joshua said unto all the people, behold, that I want you to look. This stone shall be a witness unto us. For it hath heard. Now, <laughs> some of you didn't know, but rocks here. Bible said, Jesus said, if they, if they won't worship me, he said, the rocks will cry out. And the rocks talk better than some church folk. They don't hear nor talk. <laughs> I told you I was feeling ornery today. I, anyway, this stone shall be a witness unto us. For I have heard all the words of the Lord, which he spake unto us. It shall be, therefore, a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. Now, uh, I want to preach a message today on some things that you need, you and I both need to leave in stone to our children. 
Stones are interesting in the Bible. I'm going to try to get on the message and keep trucking. Stones are in the Bible. And first of all, stones were used for worship. In Genesis chapter 28, oh, Jacob there got some stones and the Bible said he used them for a pillow. And boy, how we ought to preach on a stone for a pillow. But he took that pillow. How many would enjoy sleeping on a rock tonight? Amen. Now, I want to tell you something. There's going to be times in your life when sleeping on the pillow of stone is going to be your, where you're going to be at. It ain't going to be pleasant. There's a great secret to that. He took the pillow of stone, turned it into a place of worship. Amen. He took the hard times and the hard sleeping and the trials and the trouble, and he built an altar out of that stones. Stones in the Bible, first of all, were used for worship. They built the altar out of stones, and it was not to be hewn stones. It was to be stones that the human hand hadn't touched. That means that you don't formulate your own worship. You let God take care of that. Now then, stones are secondly used for writing. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses took stones, tablet of stones, and wrote the law of God on stones. Now, why did God do that? Let me tell you why. The law of God cannot be bent without being broken. Now, sometimes you and I get to thinking that we can bend the law of God, but you ain't going to bend the law of God. The law does not bend for anybody. You keep it or you break it. And God said, I'm not only going to use stones for worship, but I'm going to use stones for writing the law of God. Now, the law of God doesn't save nobody. For by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. But the law reveals the holy character of God. It reveals the sinful nature of man. And it is a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ when you realize you can't keep it. All right. Now, in the Bible, stones were also used as a weapon. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, David came there and heard about Goliath and he's going to kill him. Well, he, could, he didn't have a 357. He didn't have a 45 ACP. He didn't have an assault rifle, a 223 or 556. He didn't even have a can of mace. And the Bible said, he watched this now. He started down toward the brook to kill old Goliath while the rest of them up were going, Ooh. And when he got down to the creek, the brook, he stopped and got five smooth stones. Yeah. Now there's a great message in the five smooth stones. Number one, five of them are grace. God works through grace to save people and to do his work. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. But let me tell you about smooth stones. They don't go in the creek that way usually. They'll fall in the creek rough. And it takes a lot of water washing over them to make them smooth. But when you let a lot of the water of God's word flow over your soul and through your heart and through your mind and through your spirit, then God will use you for his power and his purposes. But not until. You're going to have to let the water wash and go through your soul. I'm talking about read your Bible, meditate in your Bible, be filled with the word of God. And then God will prepare you to be used to fight the enemy. Old David went down and picked up five smooth. Now, somebody said the reason he got five that Goliath had four brothers. That's probably the truth. I don't know for sure all about that. But maybe he said, I'm going to clean out the whole clan. I don't know. David got down there and the Bible said he slung that. Now, you know what them tribe of Benjamin over there in the Old Testament, the Bible said they could sling a sling left-handed, right-handed and not miss by a hair's breath. Brother Allen, I'll tell you why it's better than most people shoot 22. I can shoot a 30-odd six and miss by half a foot, amen. They slung locks and wouldn't miss by a hair's breath. That's pretty close. And the Bible said he went down and put that sling in there and, it, and hit old Goliath right in the forehead. Amen. Now, Goliath's a picture of the Antichrist, the forehead, one of the places of the mark of the beast. That's all prophetic pictures right there. But old, old Goliath, he, he got hit. And as he's a fallen, he said, that's the last thing ever went in my mind. <laughs> I never had that go through my mind before. But I want to watch this. Old David ran to appear. He didn't have a sword. He pulls out old Goliath's sword and he chops his head off. Yeah. That tells you how to get ahead in life. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Just want to laugh a little bit. Amen. You want to get ahead in life, chop the devil's head off. Amen. In your life. Amen. 
That'll get you ahead in life. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff the Bible got. We just don't know it's there. Amen. But it's a weapon. And I'll tell you what, God uses rocks for weapons. And I was a boy once in a while with some of the neighbor kids, we'd get in a rock fight. And I never was good throwing rocks. They'd go out yonder five or six feet. But I had a neighbor boy. I'm telling you one thing. You ducked and ran when he picked up a rock. Because I'm telling you what, he'd chase you with it. And he'd chase you, get it close enough. He'd throw it. He hit something. It might be your back because I was running that way. But you used it for, for a weapon. Then the Bible also uses stones in this passage of scriptures here as a witness. In this passage of Joshua 24, God says, Joshua, I want you to use a stone for a witness. Now, uh, stones are used to this day in graveyards, right? Gra granite stones put there to outlast the weather as a witness to that person's life. To leave a lasting witness that this person lived. This person existed. And this person still exists. Now I want you to notice that in chapter 25 and verse uh, in the next part there in verse 29, I'm sorry, chapter 24. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. You say, what happened? Well, Joshua said, I'm about to die and I'm going to leave some witness stones that I want your generations to be able to see. In fact, the Bible in another place says that your children would rise up at some time in history and say, what mean ye by these stones? The kids would say, how many's ever been out, you know, somewhere, you just hiking or doing something? Or how many's ever been driving down the highway and they were rock ledge? You see a bunch of rocks stacked up there. How many's ever seen something like that? How many knows they didn't get there by themselves? You see, you see something went on there. And they stack these stones up, put these stones up as a witness to something. Now, I want to talk to you about that, and we're going to preach and let you out of here. Now, I want to tell you, first of all, and I want you to go back and I want to show you that Joshua, was, this was not a new thing. Go to Joshua chapter 4 and verse number 3. Joshua chapter 4 and verse number 3. And I want to talk to you about some witness stones that Joshua left his generation before he died. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm 69. And I don't, the Bible says, the days of man's life are three score and ten. And if by reason of strength be 80, you know, four score, it's still hurting hips and, <laughs> and all kinds of other stuff. I got to come to realization, I'm going to leave one of these days. There's going to be a Sunday, you're going to start thinking about coming to church and you're going to hear Reggie's gone. Don't you believe I'm in that grave? My body will be there, but my Reggie ain't going to be there. I'm going to be with the Lord. But I want, God has put in my heart that before I die, I want to leave this church and these families and these young people some witness stones. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I don't, last year I up and decided I wanted to build a waterfall. I like running water. So I started, got my old 953 C cat track loader out and I went on the backside of the farm and I started digging around. Man, I found rocks I couldn't even pick up with that thing. And two of them, I had to scoot them up to the house. I'm serious with you. In fact, I got a picture. Of, I should have given them a picture of one. And I got rocks and I put them rocks, all stacked them up and all kinds of, and made me a waterfall out of them. Well, in the process of that, years, years ago, I had a man come and dig out a bunch of big old rocks in our field so I could kind of bush hog it or mow it. Well, it's it all down there in this great big old pile. And I got thinking, boy, and see, me and Karen, we have a problem. And I got it from her. She thinks every rock is beautiful. And we'll be out riding on the four-wheeler or the side-by-side, -side, whatever. And she said, oh, Reggie, stop. Oh, Reggie, stop. I said, what? Oh, look at that rock. I said, which one are you talking about? <laughs> and all of my life, I've had to pick rocks for her. And I tell you, if you come out to our place, you'll see it. I mean, you'll go see it. Rock, rock. She's even a rock thief. <laughs> Don't you tell them, but in Montana, she has stole rocks from the state of Montana. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. When I got back to Missouri, I found out she had it stowed away. I didn't have nothing to do with it. I'm innocent. I'm lying. <laughs> but she'd pick up rocks. She's picked up rocks in Israel. She stole rocks. <laughs> She's trying to remember now. You're, you're not sure about that, are you? I'll produce the evidence before God. <laughs> anyway, but I'm telling you something, rocks are important. So anyway, I'm out looking for rocks for this waterfall, and I think about that pile of rocks he pulled up down there. 
And I go down and took my dozer or track loader and I start shoving. And brother, I start pulling that rocks that big and rocks that big and shoving them out. And I've got a great big old circle down there getting Bay Now let me tell you what's going to happen here at this church. We've got camp meeting coming up May the 26th through May the 29th. And by the time camp meeting gets here, we're going to have big rocks right out here on this little area that comes down toward this way. And we're going to make witness stones for this church and for you families. Then we're going to put big rocks down here by the tabernacle deal to keep people from driving through while we're at the church. <laughs> but we're going to make witness stones out of them. All right. So I want you to get that in your head before we start. You be thinking about it because you know what needs to happen? You need to bring your children up here someday and bring some rocks with them. And you need to walk up there and say, you know what, God, we're going to put this rock right here. Our family's putting this rock right here as a witness of our faith. A witness to our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, our witness and so, so forth. But here, here old Joshua in chapter four and in verse number three, you can read it with me. The Bible said there and command you saying, take you his. They're getting ready to see they're getting ready to cross into promised land. And actually what happened, all this beautiful, I ain't got time to take it all. But God said, I'm going to take you into promised land. And God dried up the Jordan River. I get this. They, he said, I want you to go into promised land. And God Put the water back, but he left the mud holes. No, he didn't, did he? The Bible said they walked over on dry ground. Now I got a God of miracles, amen. He pulled the water back and and he dried it all up. Now there's a great biblical truth in that. God says, all right, I won't tell you. You know what God wants to do with you this morning? He wants to take you into the promised land of Christian living. And you know what he's going to say? I've made the way for you through the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. But I don't walk you walking through the mire and the mud and the muck, amen. I want you to walk on dry land right on through the other side and live for God and occupy the land. Don't be walking in the muck and the mud when you're trying. You cannot do that and live in victory in Jesus Christ. Well, oh, God, they all got that done. And God said, Joshua, you put a pile of stones out there. And he said, you put that pile of stones out there as a witness for God's deliverance in your life. Now you listen to me right now. The first witness stone you need to leave your children and grandchildren is this. A witness stone of God's salvation and deliverance to you and your family. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm putting those rocks there. Kids said, what's that about? I'll tell you what that's about, kids. I'm glad you asked. Let's sit down and talk about it a little bit. I was a lost sinner down in Egypt. Living in the pagan world. And God delivered me from my sin and God saved me through the blood and God delivered me and God don't want me to forget the pit from which I was dug. Now, let me tell you, this is serious in this church and I'm going to tell you why. Now, you may think, well, Reggie, he grew up down here south of Norwood, went to church all his life, had 13 years of Sunday school attendance in a row, never missed a Sunday. I'm sorry to tell you this. They ain't a worse sinner sitting in this church house than me. I'm probably the wickedest, sorriest sinner sitting in the church house plus online. Now, I don't want to go into details, but you just think it. I probably did it. Now, I'll say one thing. I ain't never been involved in no kind of sodomite garbage. I just, I'm proud of that. Let <laughs> <laughs> me tell you the problem with some of you kids. I love you. You don't know. Some of you kids do not know what it is to be saved out of deep, wicked sin. Amen. I'm not saying you should do it to understand that. But the, the psalmist did. The psalmist not say, brought me up out of a horrible pit, yes. set my feet on a solid rock, established my goings. Amen. And some of you kids growing up in this church house, you grew up in Christian families. Your mom and dad was hippies. They doped and smoked and fornicated and drunk like a fish and lived like hell. And somewhere along the trail, God saved them. Yeah. And now they're trying to raise you up and keep you away from all that junk. Yeah. And you think, oh, hey, church, they just have all these rules. And I'll tell you what, church makes me sick. And I ever get home, I get growed up home, I'm out of here. My mom and dad homeschooled us and I didn't get a chance to play on the ball team. I tell you, I didn't get a chance to do this. And my mom and dad, they're just a bunch of religious hokey pokies. And I'm sick of it. You're sick. Right. You are sick. Right. And I'll tell you why you're sick. Because you don't know. You don't know. 
You think you're a good kid because you do everything your mom and dad likes. But I'm going to tell you something. You're just as wicked as the rest of us. If you had the chance to do it, you would do it. And he said, you set up that stones. Now I'm going to ask you this question. Have you ever set your kids down and said, I want to tell you and I want to witness to you how God saved me. That is, if you've never told your own kids your life story and how God's mercy has been upon you and with you and his long suffering and how you could have been in hell. Have you ever witnessed to your own children? Or are you just assuming they'll pick it up? You say, well, I've been taken to church. It's not what I ask you. Have you, maybe you can't really tell them because you've never been saved yourself. Maybe the reason you've never put a stone of witnessing up about God's salvation and deliverance for you is because you have nothing really to tell. I'm challenging every dad and every mother in this church house today and listening online. If you've never put up a stone of witness to your own children about God saving you and delivering you, would you think about doing that before you leave this church house today? I'm not talking about doing it here today. I'm talking about make the decision I'm going to. You see, if you're not careful, your kids don't know your past. And they think you're just, you're all they have ever known since you got saved. That's all they know you. They can't even imagine you some other way. And they see your effort to live for Christ and they see your inconsistencies and your hypocrisies. And they don't see it from your perspective that God brought me out of a pit. And who have you told lately? What Jesus has done for you. Have you I'm, I'm just being all this. This speaks to my heart. Have I told my kids what Jesus did for me? Stones of witness. That's the first thing that he put out there to, in, in his life. That God saved you from hell. That he changed your heart. That he took us out of religion. That he took us out of the world. That he took us out of God's ways. I'm going to tell you something. God, let me tell you something. There's all different between the world between religion and salvation. I was religious. I was going to church every week. But it wasn't saved. And I'm going to tell you, when God saved me, he changed me from inside. And I'm going to tell you what else he did. He delivered me just like he delivered them out of the land of Egypt. And took me toward the promised land. And he changed the way I live. I'm going to tell you something. God changed the way I dress, the way I cut my, I cut my hair. Everything about me, he changed. Changed my attitude. I'm telling you, he changed the way I'm going to think about education. It's like God said, you don't dare. Hey, they didn't let the Egyptians train their children, don't you? You can't find in my Bible, Reggie, where he said, let the world educate your kids. God took us out of that. And I'm telling you, listen, you need to be able to tell your, your children what God has delivered you from. Yes. Your kids need a witness stone. They need to be able to look and say, there's something to remember our faith by. When your children ask, what mean these stones? The second time he put up a pillar of stones was in Joshua chapter 7. If you want to put that up on the board. <clears throat> I'm challenging this morning. I'm honest with you. Don't sit there high and mighty. You know what I found out? That people who will not face their past and be honest about their past, and I didn't say you got to go into detail, but I don't care who you are. You've sinned and come short of the glory of God. God brought you out of the pit. Now, you may not have been as bad as me, but I'm going to tell you something. You know what the Bible said? Jesus came to save sinners. He, come, he, he will not save the self-righteous crowd until they get off their high horse and say, you know what? I'm just as wicked as anybody else. But for the grace of God, go, there go I. In Joshua chapter 7, <clears throat> so the first thing is a witness stone to the deliverance of God and your salvation and your way of living. In Joshua chapter 7, the story you know probably very well, the man by the name of Achan, God, they'd conquered Jericho and God told him to go up there and get Ai. And God told him, says, you go up there and you wipe them out. But he said, don't you take nothing from that place. It's cursed. And they go up there and they fight. And they just got through conquering Jericho, which was far tougher situation. And you know what? They got their 
backside beat. Watch this. And 36 men died in that battle. And 36 women became widows. And no telling how many children became fatherless. And there's a reason. There was a man in that situation who decided that a little disobedience won't hurt anything. And he saw a wedge of gold and silver and the Babylonian garment. And he took them and he hid them in his tent. And God cursed their army. And people died over it. Well, Joshua, he fell on his face and said, God, what's wrong? Where, where are you at? Why aren't you helping us? And God looked down at him and God didn't monkey with him. He said, there's sin in the camp. There's sin in the camp. And so they pulled the tribes up, came down to the tribe of Achan, finally pulled Achan up. And he said, tell me, did you take thus and thus? And he said, I did. Now I want you to get this. The rest of the story, of course, is that even though Achan confessed, they brought Achan and his wife and his children. You say, well, man, God shouldn't have done that. Well, what about the 36 men he caused to die? What about the children he left fatherless? How about the, how about the effect of his sin? And the great, and, the, and so anyway, they, uh, they brought him down there and they burned him with fire. They stoned him and burned him with fire. Brother Michael, you've got a wonderful bunch of kids over there, but I want to tell you something, there's a lot riding on you. And if you'd have seen them little kids up there and somebody said, hey, what? Somebody walked up, the elders of Israel, and they're stoning those people and said, what, what are you doing? Why, why are you stoning the And they say, see a little boy standing there back and say, what, 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 why are they stoning you? It's my daddy. It's what my daddy did. It's what my daddy did. Mrs. Aiken, why are you here? It's what my husband did. So I'm telling you, if we don't get back to a biblical manhood in this country and think about what we're doing. And here's, and so they, they killed them and they burned them. And then the Bible said that they made this great big pile of stones. Yeah. You say, Reggie, what is the witness of that pile of stones? The witness is that the high price of sin and disobedience to God. I'm telling you to obey is better than sacrifice. God would rather you do what he says than act religious and preach than go in the mission field to give, do, do, go to prayer meeting, whatever you want to do. God says, I'd rather you just obey me. Amen. And if I say don't do it, don't do it. And if I say do it, do it. Because if you don't, here's the message. The high cost of sin. All over this country, this country is full of bitter kids. Because mom and dad didn't love each other and love God enough to stay together. You got kids growing. Uh, 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 oh. Kids down there in these apartments. Some live-in boyfriend. Won't marry her and she won't marry him. You know why? Because they lose their benefits. What a rotten piece of hell. That guy, he's got his drugs and he got his junk. One night he gets high and your little girl's sitting over about three years old and he gets his eye on her. Devils come into him through demons, through, through drugs, yeah. liquor. Yeah. The first thing you know, he's wanting to set up a situation where he can have your little daughter by himself. Yeah. You listen to me, daddies? Yeah. How, many of you daddies want, how many of you daddies want your kids in a mess like that? Yeah. And the little girl's sitting there and he, she's being molested. It's happening all over this country. And the little girl, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Daddy did it. Daddy did it. Daddy did it. There's a message here. And the message that ought to be written in stone in this church is the high price of sin. The old timers used to say sin will take you where you didn't think you'd ever go. Cost you more than you ever planned to pay. Keep you longer than you ever planned to stay. There are men in jail tonight and their sons and their daughters are being molested. And they can't get through the bars to help them. Sin is costly. You say a little bit of disobedience and the next generation don't even go to church. And the next generation, listen to me, I can take you through family after family after family in America where the daddy just did a little bit of disobedience. A little bit of coveting. A little bit of not putting God first. 
and the sin visited and visited. Talking to you about the Vanderbilts this morning. Anderson Cooper's a queer. Do you know where all that money and that abandonment of God and disobedience to God took him? To where his great grandson's a queer and an open sodomite. And I'm going to tell you something right now. You can monkey around with this if you want to. And you know better. But you monkey around and don't walk with God and raise your family for God and get serious about serving God. You'll be shocked to find out what your disobedience will do to your descendants. It ain't nothing to monkey around with. There better be a witness stone about the high cost of sin. Brother, I'm telling you something. It'll cause temporal trouble and it'll cause eternal trouble. Then if you go to chapter 8 and verse number 29 and 27 there in chapter 8. Joshua, there again, the blessings of obedience. They had victory in the Lord. Look at chapter 8 and verse number 29, 27. And the Bible said in the king of, uh, verse number 27, only a little cattle and spoil the city took for prey. Now, I, I want to throw something in here just besides this. It was in chapter 7 there where God said, don't take nothing. Yep. And he disobeyed that. Did you know if he would have waited till the next chapter, that he could have took everything he wanted from the next city. God was testing their obedience before their blessing. One chapter later, and he could have had all of it more. I wonder what you and I have missed by our not waiting on the Lord, by our disobedience to God, by our covetousness. We're going to have it now. We're not waiting on God. But he gets up in chapter 8, verse number 27. The cattle spoiled, the city took for prey themselves. Joshua burnt Ai and made it a heap forever in desolation this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on the tree till evening tide. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded they should take his carcass down from the tree and cast it at the end of the gate of the city and raise it on a great heap of stones that remaineth unto this day. I want to tell you what God's got there is telling you that you ought to have stones of the blessings of obedience. Joshua obeyed and God blessed. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I want my kids to know something. That as to the degree that I have obeyed, Brother Terry, God is blessed. We need witnesses to show your kids, hey, listen, when we try to walk with God, God blessed our lives. And if God doesn't pay in eternity, if God doesn't pay now, he'll do it in eternity. I want to move quickly. Joshua chapter 10, verse number 18, just show you the importance of this principle in the Bible. Joshua, I think he liked rocks too, Karen. You ain't by yourself. <laughs> Chapter 10 and verse number 18, Joshua. And Joshua said, roll a great stone upon the mouth. He said, Rachel, what's going on? The Amorites? Oh, mercy sakes alive. The Amorites were the enemies of God. It's a testimony of divine deliverance. Those people, they, they were fighting those people. They were struggling against those people. And all of a sudden God said, come in and said, I think I'll just help you. Can I tell you something? If you go and say, Lord, I'll fight your battles, regardless of how it comes out. The Bible says the battle is the Lord's. Amen. Let me just tell you a little something. When the battle is the Lord's, he's going to win it. Amen. And you know what? Because there's willing to go out and fight the battle, God said, I believe I'll just help her. <laughs> and God said, hailstones. And you read it for yourself. We ain't got time for this morning. God said, hailstones on the Amorites. And I can imagine, conk. Conk, conk, and the Amorites just falling like bowling, ball, bowling pins going down through there, and they're being knocked over, and the children of Israel going, Bless God, God got in the fight today, man. Amen. Can I tell you something? I've been preaching, I've been fighting for 40 some years, and I've watched over and over again that if I'll be willing to fight, God Almighty will come on the scene and He'll fight my battles for me. I'm telling you something, all of a sudden I'm looking, ping, ping, bang, bang, and God just standing there and watching, amen. amen. And Joshua had like that so much. He, boy, he was enjoying slaughtering them Amorites. And it got late in the day. He said, Lord, sun's going to go down. I ain't got them all taken care of yet. God says, I'll tell you what, Josh, I'll just do for you. I'll stop the sun from going down. Yeah. Are you listening? You got to write something stone where God's got it. I can tell you something. I've got it written down. I've got it written down in my, in my journal. Some of the great deliverances that God has given in my life and in this church's life and in our family's life. I'm telling you, there's been times I didn't know how I was going to make it through. Amen. And God come through. Amen. Yeah. I'm telling you, we got a God. You got to write it down. It's not just warning you about sin. It's not just been remembering your salvation. But your kids need to know the power of answered prayer. Write your testimony. How God answered prayer. How God won the battle. Well, I'm going to tell you something right now. The battle is not done, but the victory is won. Amen. 
And I'll tell you what I like that I like I like being on the side of God when He runs the hailstones down. Amen. I'll tell you what they thought there's an atomic bomb, don't you figure? How'd you like to be out there fighting and conk big old hailstone hit you side of the head? The Bible said that God killed more of them with the hailstones than they were killing with the swords. If God be for us, who can be against us? Greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. If the church in America ever gets back to the true principle that if God be for us, who can be against us? That's why America used to be great. It's because our forefathers knew it and they preached it and took it into government, took it into business, took it into schoolhouses, and they conquered. But now we're afraid to take our Bible. Lest we be seen with the Bible and offend somebody's snowflake space. Amen. I'll tell you what, God will make the sun stand still for you too. Well, I don't know whether we're getting them all or not, but Joshua in chapter 10, verse number five. Now, you better hang on to this here. Joshua, I'll tell you what, I got messed up on my text a while ago, but I think we got the point across. In Joshua chapter 10, verse nine, there's these kings, the Amorites. Now, Amorite, it was a type of old flesh. Now, I want to tell you something. When you got saved, you still got, how many's in here saved? You know you're saved by the blood of the Lamb. All right. How many still got your flesh? <laughs> ah, you husbands, quit looking that way. Your wife's looking at you to see what you do. See if you're not in your head. You just was in the flesh this morning, Amy. No, listen, here's a deal that you need to, you need to be written in stone. These old five kings come down there and they caught them. Joshua said, I ain't got time to mess with them right now. But he said, I'll tell you what you want to do. He said, the five kings in that cave back there, ah, back in an old dark hole. He said, I'll tell you what, dude, we're going to go ahead and fight. But he said, you put a big old rock in front of that, that hole of that cave. And he said, you lock them five Amorite kings in there. Yeah. Now, old brother Ronnie Simpson, by the way, brother Larry Brown, brother Ronnie Simpson, Mike Harger's all coming to the camp meeting. Amen. And old Ronnie Simpson preached a message called Ten Kings in a cave, Five Kings in a Cave. But they're a picture of this. You see, there's a cave in here, Brother Wayland. And in that cave is some kings called flesh. And you got them. Oh, I keep them hid during church. I put a rock over that old cave during church. Y'all got quiet on me. But there's a great truth here. The rock, remember, was where the written word was on. Watch this. Put the word between you and your flesh and you'll control them. What was Joshua doing? It was a testimony of controlling his flesh. I'm going to tell you a verse that's really hard for me. It's in the New Testament. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof. Well, they came back down there. Joshua would get that rock off there and said, drag them things out of there. And they, drug, they did exactly what the New Testament doctrine teaches. They drug the kings out of there, killed them, hung up upon a tree till the sun went down, took the bodies down, threw them back in and they put a big pile of rocks. Witness stones of testimony. Do not, watch me, do not play with your flesh. Amen. That's right. Crucify it. Amen. Make no provision for it. Amen. Don't dally with pornography. Watch that Facebook. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> oh, you ladies sitting there like you don't ever have a problem. You're lying out your teeth. But you're going to have to deal with your flesh. And you need to leave a testimony in stone to your descendants that you dealt with your flesh. What's being left to our children is the testimony that we open the door and let them out. What happened to your mama? She ran off with another man. What happened to your daddy? He ran off with another woman. Flesh got out of the cave, didn't it? Well, I'll give you one more here and we'll go home. I want you to go back up to chapter 24. Everybody still here? All right. Anybody went home? (laughs) Chapter 24. 
Oh, Joshua got up there and he told him there in verse number 26, he said, he wrote these words in the book of the law and took a great stone, set it up under an oak. It was by the sanctuary of the Lord. By the way, Van, is Van still here? Did Van go home? I don't know. Huh? Do you not have a witness stone down at Camp Joy? If you've never seen it, y'all go down and see it. And we're going to put witness stones on this property here. <clears throat> I get to a little bit more. Verse number 27, Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone should be a witness unto us. And then verse 29 said he died. What is the stone here of testimony that we need to have? Somebody said they asked an old preacher one time, and I'm not old yet, but I'm getting there. Ask an old preacher one time, he says, if you could give me one word as I'm getting ready to head out in the ministry, what would it be? In one word, the ministry, the faith, all of it, what would it be? He says, faithfulness. Amen. I want you to get something. You're at chapter 24 in the book of Joshua. And it's after this set of stones that he put up, he dies. What's the message? Be faithful unto death. You listen to me. The Bible teaches continuance. It teaches endurance. It teaches faithfulness. I want to say to everybody in this building this morning, God is not so much interested as Van's got behind this pulpit up here in your ability as he does your availability. But I'm going to tell you this much. God would rather have a man that's faithful than a man that can preach good. What good is my preaching if I'm not faithful? What good's your praying and your attending church and you're doing this and doing that if you're not faithful? You see, I've been preaching 40 years, almost 41 years this month. And brother, I'm going to tell, you, I'm going to tell everybody in this church this. I have never in all my 40 years had such satanic out of hell attacks as I've had this year, my 40th year. I've wanted to load my pickup up. I mean, brother, the thoughts have come to me, load your pickup up and drive out that lane and wave in the rear view mirror to Missouri. I'm tired. I've been tempted every way you can imagine. And you know what, Brother Bill? Now listen to me. Who was it that that book's about? Joshua. How was Joshua faithful? Not by his own power. Joshua is the Old Testament word for Jesus in the New Testament. Amen. And Jesus in you is what will cause you to be faithful. Amen. Not your power, not your determination, not this. But I will say to you that you need to get on your face someday and say, God, would you put some stones of faithfulness in me to where no matter what happens in my life, I will not quit on you. Amen. You know what scares me right now, sister, is that after 40 years, I do something stupid. And three, four, five, ten thousand messages that may have been a blessing to somebody on the road of life won't mount to a hill of beans because did you hear what happened to Reg Kelly? Can I tell you right now, the message I'm preaching this morning, whatever I preach tonight, whatever I do next week, amounts to nothing if I'm not faithful. Amen. And we need a witness stone of faithfulness to the end. Amen. I heard that I, I didn't know him, but I know he's a great man of God. It's just the influence that he had. His name was, you might know of him, Harold Slider, Slider, That Watch this. They said when Harold Slider had, a, I don't know whether he had a heart attack or a stroke or what he had. He's an old man, had been pastoring that church for years. And he's in the hospital now. And he's not right up here. Not responding. And if I got the story right, his daughter went into scene. And she's trying to talk to him, daddy. And he's just not, he just ain't, he just not there. But all of a sudden 
She's sitting there in the chair beside her dad's hospital bed. Said he threw his hand up and said, it's preaching time. (laughs) And she said he looked over to Harold, said, Daddy woke up. He said, said he's laying in the hospital bed dying. Folks, open your Bible to Revelation chapter 20. I'm going to preach on the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And we shall rule. And we shall reign. And he said, he kept saying, and we shall rule. And we shall reign with him. And he died. I said, glory to God, that'd be a good way to go out. Amen. I'll tell you one thing I want. I want you little kids. I want you kids to remember something. I pray you pray for me. Would you do that? Would you pray that Reggie would stay in the saddle till he draws his last breath? Would you pray that I'd stick my feet a little deeper in the stirrups? That I'd hold on to the reins a little tighter? That I'd grab the saddle horn a little tighter? And that we'd finish well? Nothing else matters if we don't finish well. Amen. And I want you to put up a stone. You know one of the biggest stones you'll ever put up? And they bury you. When your children bury you guys, they need to be able to say they were faithful. Need to be able to say, my daddy, he was just an old rough trucker. And he just did everything in the world. But I tell you what, he's faithful. My mama, tell you what, she's like a spark plug wire. <laughs> About half on a spinning bar out. But I tell you, she loved Jesus. Amen. You see, it's not, your, it's not all this other junk that's going to matter. It's going to matter if you're faithful. Amen. That's what's going to matter. You say, Reggie, what, what, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that we need to leave some testimony stones to our children. You say, Reggie, what kind of testimony? Number one, back there we read, leave a stone about God's salvation in your life. Have you witnessed to your children about your salvation? Number two, have a witness stone about the high cost of sin to your children. Number three, hey, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm reaping everything I ever sowed. Amen. You live long enough, you're going to too. Thirdly, have a witness stone about the blessings of obedience. Fourthly, have a a witness stone of the divine deliverance in the battles of life. And number five, of conquering the flesh and the world. I'm going to tell you something right now. If you want to be happy, be holy. I still believe in holiness. Hey, holy is not just a word on the front of your Bible. Holiness unto the Lord. You say, what is that? That ain't, that, ain't put, that ain't buttoning your shirt up to your neck. I'll tell you what it is. It's thinking right, doing right, and living by the word of God. Amen. amen. I, I'm telling you right now, we need to get back, until the church gets back to holiness. What's wrong? Are we scared of it? Oh, he mentioned holiness. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Average church, they get up, preach on holiness. Oh, the preachers went crazy. And yet, if you want to be happy, be holy. You say, what are you talking about? Holiness is separation from the world unto God. Amen. Just saying, Lord, I belong to you. I don't belong to the world. I ain't got friendship with the world. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I'm a pilgrim and a stranger just passing through this old world. Amen. And then number six, the faithfulness of God to you. Have an humble and honest heart. As I said earlier, I've got some stones of testimony. I want to leave this church. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen with these stones. I told you I have some real large stones out the house. I'm going to get it. Somebody here at church probably has got a big machine to pick up big rocks. And we're going to bring them up here and we'll set them. And then we'll get plaques made for different stones. And here's some, some of the stones I want on this church property. That forever, till Jesus comes back, the authorized King James Bible will be used at this church. That needs to be in stone. Amen. Amen. I don't you some of you sorry low down thing get five years down the road and say, Reggie ain't here. We can do something different. I'll tell you, God's here. Amen. Now we're going to put a stone about education. God, we don't want the Lord to educate our children. Put that stone out there. Our children are a heritage of the Lord. They don't belong to the Lord. Did you know my kids really don't belong to me? They belong to God. He just let me take care of them for a while. Then I want stones of salvation, the grace of God, and the faith, and the cross, and the blood, and the substitutionary death of Christ. And then I want stones of separation and sanctification, stones of truth and honesty, and stones that just says do right. (laughs) 
I want a stone that says live for eternity, not for time. And I want a stone that says obedience is better than sacrifice. And I want a stone that says be faithful unto death. Amen. Amen. Well, during camp meeting, we're probably going to have some of them dedication stone times. Walk out there to big old rock and say, bless God right now. We're going to make some commitments. And I'm going to ask you as families to be thinking about that. But you know what I want to do today? That is a visible thing for something that ought to be going on inside. You know, you could be up, we could be up in Iowa today where the poor folks ain't got no rocks. I feel sorry for them Illinois and Iowa people. All they got that old black dirt and just, you know, and ain't no rocks to throw it. If I see a snake, you can kill it, save your life. Got mad at you. Brother, you couldn't get a rock and hit him. They just have to dig around there in that, sorry, I don't know, worthless looking dirt. <laughs> but down here, we've got rocks, amen. Lots of you are going out of rocks. I got rocks. You say, Reggie, you ain't got no rocks in my house. I'll loan you some. I'll give you some. <laughs> but they're just an outward visible thing. I want to ask you a question today. Are you ready to put some testimonies in stone? Are you ready to say, God, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Ain't going to be no monkeying about it. I ain't trying to be super spiritual and not trying to say something that can't be. But by your grace, our house is going to serve God. Lord, if you help me, I'm going to try to stay away from sin and its results. I'm going to try to remind myself and my children of the high price of sin. And move on down through. And I don't know what the Lord may have dealt with you about today, but I'm going to tell you what we're going to do right now. And I ain't pull, I'm not a dentist and I ain't pulling teeth. But I'm going to give an invitation for you to come find some place here in this place to pray. And say, God, today I'm setting up a stones of witness for my family. I want my descendants to know that it was worth, it was worth putting in stone. Joshua said, I don't want you to forget this. Don't let your generations come and never know what it was. You come. The Lord deals with you. Let's stand together. Lord, I want to put some stones out for witness today. Would you come? There'll be some daddies pouring out of these bleachers, pouring out of these seats. Saying, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve God. Lord, I ain't worth nothing, but I tell you, God, if you'll give me grace, I'll tell you, I will. I will serve you. Mamas, I want to tell you something. Your children need to see some things written in stone witnesses. They need some things written down. I'm going to tell you some things that they know that you stand for. They know some things that ain't going to change. You see, here's the deal about writing in stone. I thought about this. I was up at my daughter's inaugural ceremony the other day in Jeff City. And in that rotunda up there, they've got cut in stone. Righteousness exalteth the nation. They've got put in stone. The earth is the Lord's. Why did your forefathers here in Missouri put that stuff on the rotunda of the Capitol where everybody walks in there and could see it carved in granite stone? Because they did not want us to forget it. They did not want us to forget our faith and our God who blessed this nation. Would you come today? Would you come? Maybe here today and you're not saved. I don't know. But I tell you what, this ought to be the day when you put up a stone of witness. I'm trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm trusting Jesus today as my Savior. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Is there anybody in this building say, Preacher, I've never had a testimony of my salvation. I can't honestly say that I'm saved. Now you listen to me very carefully. I'm not in the business of embarrassing you or aggravating you or trading on you for religious purposes. But I tell you what I would like to do is pray for you if you're lost. Now I mean it. I'm not just, this ain't some ritual we go through around here. If you're lost your day, you'd say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not saved. And I need to have a witness of God's salvation, of God's grace in life. Would you slip your hand up high where I can see it? And I'm not going to come back and bother you. I'm going to pray for you. And I mean that. Would there be a hand anywhere in this building? Anywhere in this building. I do not see a hand. If you raise your hand, please raise it high. I don't want to miss you. I see that hand. God bless you, young man. I see that hand. Thank you so much. 
Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this young man that raised his hand. Uh, Lord, I promised him that I'd pray for him. And Lord, I thank you that he recognizes that he's lost. I thank you, Lord, that he has a desire to have a witness stone. I pray, God, today that you draw him to yourself through the blood of Jesus Christ. Help him to understand what sin is and what Jesus did for him. And Lord, help him to, by childlike faith, trust the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And God, I pray, Lord, that you'll do that in his heart and his life. And God, help all of us here this morning to never remember the pit, forget the pit from which we were dug. Lord, we need you today. Now, Father, folks have come and they're praying and they're seeking your face and they're doing business with you. And I'm praying for them now, God. I pray that you help them, strengthen them. Lord, we cannot do these things apart from your grace. But Lord, we need some witness stones. We need some witness stones about the things that count in life that can be seen by our descending generations. That these people were serious about their walk with God. That it was the most important aspect of their entire existence was their faith in God. Lord, let it be so in this church that this church will set up witness stones to this community and around this nation. And that folks can look and see the miracle of God. The miracle of salvation. The miracle of a different way to live. God, may it be so. Now, Father, I pray today that you'd bless these homes. I pray for the husbands that they'd love their wives as Christ loved the church. I pray that their wives would have a sweet, submissive spirit. And that, Lord, they'd pray for their husbands and trust you to take care of things where he gets wrong. God, I pray for the young people of this church that you'd help them to have a heart that seeks the Lord. God, a visitation of the Holy Ghost that no preacher could ever do. That something inside their soul would sing, oh, how I love Jesus. And Lord, I pray, put faithfulness in all of our hearts. When the old devil tried to tell us to quit, to give up, Lord, help us to spit at him. And Lord, help us, God, just to say, I think I'll just go on. And Lord, help us to have an attitude just to love you so that, Lord, I know that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And Lord, that we want to love you and serve you because we just love you, not because some pressure somebody puts on us. Lord, I just again help this church to have stones of remembrance that our children can look to for guidance, for remembrance, direction in life. And I thank you for what you do in Jesus' name.